Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast. Podcast uh, is a combination of iPod and broadcast, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the term. And here on this one, we talk about the Bible and make a playlist and often introduce ourselves. So I'm Matt Gale, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. Where the birds are singing. Sorry, I can't believe you can hear the birds. The mic picks up the birds. I can hear the birds singing while I am here underneath. I spent an hour this morning shoveling, shoveling, snoveling show, shoveling snow, Matt. Um, uh, Do we, are we contractual? I mean, we have many contractual obligations on this podcast, uh, one of which clearly is to do introductions. Are we contractually obligated to introduce ourselves, or are there other things that we can introduce? You could uh, introduce any anything you like. You can't introduce the laundry machine. It's not there anymore. It's gone. It's gone. I would like to introduce Matt. Uh, you texted me earlier today about a, a business proposal. It's not public, Zach. That's I have a public. counter business proposal. Okay, unrelated. I also had a business proposal, Matt, and I thought my business proposal would be appropriate to share on air because we're broadcasting live uh, to tape. Matt, my four-year-old daughter, for Christmas, from a beloved and well-intentioned relative, received a craft subscription box, man. That means every month, someone sends a box to my house that is full of uh, junk. That's cute. <laughs> I've already done you this. You don't like those. I love them because they give me something to do with my children. <laughs> but Zach, a box, a box of junk. Okay, got it. Box got of it junk. So uh, creates a mess. There's more stuff everywhere and like she latches on to like certain details and pieces that become overly important right like where's the pink feather that was in the craft box and that's the thing i'm supposed to keep track of now uh i hear the vinyl preacher is thinking about starting its own subscription box service matt and the subscription service is going to be called it's just a box and (laughs) every month you pay us and we send you uh pre-labeled pre-addressed uh, postage paid box that has nothing inside of it right what you do every month you get that box you put all the junk you've got around your house that you're tired of your kids messing with you put it in the box seal it up and you drop it in the mail and it goes to some random address uh, because we've already paid the postage for you when you opt out though when you cease to subscribe your address will be added to the mailing list of people who get boxes sent to them. Uh, but that's my idea. It's just a box. Brilliant. Brilliant. Just just a box. I like that little add-on at the end, uh, if you unsubscribe. Yeah, we're a little vindictive. <laughs> just a vindictive box. How was... Uh, oh, I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder, uh, where I'm shoveling snow these days. No birds. Matt, how was uh, in per- or not in person? How was Ash Wednesday? We talked about it last week. We wanted to know what your Ash Wednesday plan was. Uh, we are on Ash Thursday now. How was the Wednesday portion of the of the holiday? It uh, it turned out really well in the end. It um, was a rough start. I'm used to like uh, starting Ash Wednesday out in the corner, giving ashes. Very few people actually take me up on it off the street, but people stop by from church all day. You get a few. It's a nice, like, you get to interact with people during the day, remind them of their mortality. It's very uplifting. Um, 
Uh, and it's just, you know, it's a, it always feels like a good day. You get started early. Uh, and this, this time had none of that in the morning and, uh, and was really at the same time feeling the weight, uh, I think of the entire year kind of crammed into one day, a year with, in which there has been so much death, uh, globally, uh, and locally. And so just really, really feeling the impact of Ash Wednesday. Um, and then started to get texts, um, from a handful of church members that their ashes had not yet arrived in the mail. <laughs> I was like, one of those, I, man, I'm so sorry they haven't arrived. I don't know what to do about that, but now I'm starting to feel nervous about this service. You didn't uh, drive around town time. delivering little baggies of dirt to people? Uh, I, right. No, we did. So we did, like, my administrator had this idea to send out a mailing, which we hadn't done during the, during the entire pandemic. Um, and so we ordered the little ash packets from Old Lutheran, uh, which I had rolled my eyes at at first and then thought, Perfect. I don't have to do anything. I just order these and send them. Great. Uh, I'm going to do that. Uh, and Old Lutheran was great. Like, they were sold out on the website, and I emailed them, and they said, we'll send them to you, and they got them out in a couple days. It was great service from Old Lutheran. Um, Not a sponsor. So keep them in mind for a future sponsor. <laughs> but I'm getting nervous. You know, I'm like, oh, no. People are going to be mad. They don't have their ashes. I wrote a whole little intro saying you don't actually need, it's okay if you don't have ashes, you can just, you could use a little bowl of water to remember your baptism. You could use some oil. It's also a good way to remember your baptism, you know, and you could just use a thumb. It's fine. You can burn some stuff. I mean, most people are waiting for an excuse to create ashes. You could, you could burn some stuff. There was one member that burned her own uh, palm ash, and I was like, that is next level. You get extra credit. That's great. Uh, but i getting nervous during the day. Plus, it's a midweek service. Last year, I think we had uh, like five people show up to our Ash Wednesday service, so I was just kind of like, I don't know. But I just really wanted to do one because I was feeling some kind of way about Ash Wednesday. And lo and behold, we had great turnout. There were like 30 people on this Ash Wednesday call, um, Zoom Zoom worship. Um, some people that we hadn't seen in a while, which was just great to see their faces. And it was just a beautiful thing on a day when we think about, uh, it's just such an embodied day, right? With dust and like, you're always touching people's faces all day. And so at the end of the day, when I'd missed seeing so many people to suddenly see so many faces, uh, was really a beautiful thing. Uh, and the service ended up being uh, quite lovely. And uh, anytime when you wake up the next morning and you're getting texts from church members saying, that was a great service last night, you're going, all right, I'm going to file that away for the million days when I don't get great feedback. I didn't but know I'm that was like, possible. You know, just appreciate that. So it worked, it worked out. It worked out. Nice, Matt. I uh, observed Ash Wednesday, but starting our uh, Why Christianity class, our six-week class for folks uh, who are spending Lent um, trying to figure out why they might engage with Christianity. Um, And uh, it was partially great, Matt. We uh, had more people sign up for it than I I thought they would. We're offering these stipends, so i got to find a little extra money, so uh, lutheranbus.org slash give. Um, uh, but they showed up, and here's the thing, right, that's been really hard for us with Zoom stuff. Um, because our community is always somewhat new, and especially this year, even if there wasn't a pandemic, was going to be particularly kind of new. So not having those relationships to to kind of rely on. Getting to the levels of, like, honesty, vulnerability, and participation on Zoom has been really hard. Uh, it's not a format that lends itself to that anyway, but when you don't really know the other people on there and you haven't had the opportunity to build relationships with them. It's, it makes it even harder, but we got there. Folks did it. Um, and so that was, was really, really cool. Um, a big takeaway was, uh, how 
we were only able to really get through kind of introductions and like brief religious bios in the time for our first session. So I've got five left now, and uh, we're not going to be able to do it all in five weeks, man. <laughs> You're not going to be able to answer the question, why Christian, in five weeks? I know. I thought I could do it, you know? But... Seems, seems like a one-season deal. Yeah. I mean, that's the way the catechumenate works, right? Yes. Zach uh, described himself as an adult catechumenate enthusiast online this week, so... I did. I, uh, I've been feeling a little fussy on the internet, Matt, so I... I got fussy. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm kind of lost my, like, I don't know if it's just a me thing, Matt. You can tell me if it's just a me thing. Uh, but I've lost some, like, social media uh, inhibitions. <laughs> um, I don't know if other people have done that. I, in general, especially with the book of the face, uh, I try to be pretty particular about how I interact publicly on that. Uh, and, and I think I still do that, but here's where I've let down my guard, man. And I don't care anymore. BuzzFeed is killing me with their sponsored stuff, right? And Mental Floss, 15 facts that I read today about, uh, about Full House. Um, and I used to not click on that because I was like, it's a sponsored thing. It's not going to be good, right? Like, and the ones that go to slideshows too, right? Like, I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't click on worst. that. Yeah. But in these days, I'm like, what do I have to lose? Absolutely nothing. Let's see what this is. So I'm just killing BuzzFeed slideshows. So we have to reload the whole page over and over again to get to that one slide at the very end that was teased at the beginning. <laughs> Incredible. <sighs> Incredible. The Full House, though, interest is partially spurred by WandaVision, you know, recognizing that Elizabeth Olsen is a sibling of, of Ashley Merrick. I learned that within the last, like, two months. I, I learned it very recently. And uh, I know that I've seen Elizabeth Olsen before in things. And I don't know how I didn't look at her before and go, she's an Olsen. Right. Once I realized that, I was like, she looks she identical. Look <laughs> she's yeah. the identical like, triplet, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, what do you do? Assume that everyone named Olsen is related? Like, I, you know. I mean, I am now. That's my... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I can't wait, Matt. I want to find an excuse when this is all over to go up to uh, Minnesota, where I imagine there are lots of people named Olsen, right? It's a Norwegian name. <laughs> just I'm going to ask every Norwegian at the Mall of America if they are. Are you related to Ashley Mary It's She's had an interesting... Uh, I think it was Tyre that I was talking to about this, that they, you know, the so the Mary Kate and Ashley career peaked pretty early. But Elizabeth playing the long game. Elizabeth playing the long game. She's just she's on the ascent with. I mean, maybe she'll only be a Marvel, but that's still pretty good. That'll pay the bills for a while, I would think. Matt, uh, I can see how you'd think that, and I can also understand that one of the avenues for why you could think that is you haven't clicked on enough sponsored Buzzfeed articles, because <laughs> Ashley and Kate have had no interest in acting since the Full House and the Full House spinoff, right? And they actually are insanely wealthy because the direct-to-tape market that they created, all those Ashley and Elizabeth Olsen, like, they have production companies. Wow. And so they're, like, they have never needed to work. Like, <laughs> we've been interested. One of them is, like, a fashion person or whatever, but, like, evidently the empire of that, like, straight-to-VHS, Ashley and Mary-Kate go-to-the-mall-of-America business was insane in the mid-to-late 90s. Wow. 
Wow. Well, kudos. Kudos to them. They've been waiting to get that Vinyl Preacher kudos. They just got it. (laughs) I hope that's what the Vinyl Preacher is for us then. You know, when we get older, this is basically our retirement plan, I think. This is our business profession. (laughs) We have both opted out of Puerto and we opted into the Vinyl Preacher. We're going to be slinging those straight to VHS episodes of the podcast (laughs) out of the trunk of our cars, man. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. Well, uh, continuing through Lent here, Zach, and uh, speaking of potential sponsors, my church, again using a sanctified art Mm. and their lovely resources. So... We gotta, we gotta get them on the pod. Hey, out. I've done my end of getting the sanctified art in the podcast. <laughs> I sent a single email. Maybe I'll just send a second email. If, if it doesn't work after one email, what do you? <laughs> that's what I, that's what I said about our engagement with uh, soon to be friend of the podcast, uh, Josh Ritter. If it doesn't work after one email to his publicist, what? <laughs> it's never gonna work. Oh my gosh! Incredible. Yeah, dear listeners, if you happen to have Josh Ritter's personal email, holler at me, and uh, we'll get him in the pie. Well, here we are, second Sunday in Lent. There's only one way to get out of Lent. You got to go. Th- can't go around it. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. You got to go right through it. We got uh, a reading from Genesis. Another reading from Genesis. Uh, last week we had uh, the rainbow, rainbow sign, mm-hmm. super soaker over the the fireplace. Nice job, dear listeners. Matt texted me the actual picture of it, and that nothing <laughs> has made me happier in my life than seeing that photo. <laughs> Which not only featured the super soaker over the mm-hmm. fireplace, but also uh, my brothers and I were in a band. Uh, <laughs> apparently, where it could definitely be a great. cover. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, so reading from Genesis, we're in Genesis 17, and uh, see if you notice any uh, connections between this week and last week. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be uh, to uh, the Adonai. Adonai. Covenants. Is covenants the theme for the Old Testament readings here in uh, mm. Lent year B? I don't know what the future readings are. I haven't looked at them yet. No, but we fly blind in this podcast. Fly, fly blind. But it does seem like just like <laughs> and last we look week, back. God's, we do not look forward. <laughs> yeah. God is, uh, is making a covenant and is making a one-way uh, promise here once again. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely a one-way promise, right? If you read the, the fine print here, we do get a cut here. Matt, you may notice 8 to 14 are cut out. Uh-oh. What's um, in there? Circumcision, mostly. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> I don't know why they had to cut out circumcision. People go to church for the circumcision reason, readings, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and, it, you, I mean, you could read it, right? Like, But that's not the work of the covenant. The covenant's not dependent on it. The, the circumcision is a sign of the covenant. Um, but all the just, work here is like really... I'll go with the rainbow, though. I think I'd... <laughs> Dear listener, please send us some fan art, like a, some cover art for uh, the Facebook page uh, of the, the, the Lenten symbols, right? Rainbow, symbols of the covenant. Rainbow, circumcision, circumcision. and whatever comes next week. <laughs> Uh, but 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 it's all on God to do this stuff, right? Abraham or Abram or Abraham, depending on where uh, where you follow the naming of Abraham here, uh, doesn't actually have to. Do, I mean, he he has to do these things, but the covenant is not dependent on it. The things that Abram has to do and and Abram is called to do are the results of the covenant. Um, um, this is my covenant between me and you. Um, you know, it's. Uh, it's not said directly here, but it's that you'll be my God. I will be your God and you'll be my people. Um, so, uh, but here's the thing I'd like to add, though, Matt, that I think is interesting here. Uh, it sounds like God is cutting, pun intended, a, a new covenant here, but it's not new. Right. Um, we get um, exceedingly or not exceedingly uh, multiply and fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply, which, Matt, is part of the original covenant, the pre-flood and everything, right? That, that that phrase gets used twice in the first chapter of Genesis when humans are created and given the, the call to be fruitful and multiply. Um, I recall, I was actually, this was a part of my religious biography that I told um, with our, our student group the other night. We had to name some of the most formative religious events in our lives. And one of the ones that I came up with this time uh, was that when I was in high school, I was a part of this really weird Bible study with like friends from from high school, and so I was there, being who I am. Uh, and then there was this like whole like super weird wide range of people. Uh, the kind of person who kind of put it together was from a church where they didn't allow music. Um, there was like another like super in your face atheist, right? Like this super weird collection of people and I don't know that it was always fruitful in terms of our like reflection on the Holy Scripture but interesting thing to be a part of and one of the things that I was exposed to there was the idea that some of the folks had that the Old Testament didn't count anymore that there's this new covenant in Jesus and so the Old Testament stuff is is in some way lesser but I think this reveals a reality of how, how covenants work in the whole of the Bible is that they're always there's God's always making this new covenant, but it is this repurposed. It's it's made out of the old covenant. Like it's there's continuity in these in these new covenants because that's what's gonna we're gonna be able to have these covenant readings throughout Lent because God keeps making the covenant over and over again. Uh, because even though we don't have to do anything in it, it doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> I mean, what like yeah? There's definitely definitely continuity there. It makes me think like. Um, so, uh, my kids and I, which I continue to confess, are doing our own homeschooling Sunday school. And we got a bunch of Abraham stories. And, uh... I'm going to mail you Abraham. a box, Matt, with a bunch of birds and stuff. And <laughs> together, great. you guys, we'll cut them in half. So at night, the flaming pot will 
The so flesh that would pot. Have been a really cool. I mean, there are a lot of like you have to have scissors because there's a lot of cutting activities. So it seems like there's also a lot of cutting activities in many different ways uh, here in Genesis. They could get even more creative. But uh, like you know, they tell this little story of Abraham and Sarah, and they're so sad because they don't have any children, and then they're still waiting uh, on this this promise from God. And I just, I mean, we all know that story. We all know that story. I make this assumption, but like. What's the? Am I gonna? I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask it. What's the good news in that? What's the? What's the real promise here? What? What problem is it responding to? And is that problem still relevant in 2021? And I don't want to go in the direction of like. I mean, you could go in the direction. I know that like um, individual people struggle with fertility. Um, and, and we've been down that road as well. But I feel like there's something... That's I think very often it, I feel like it's rarely an bigger. individual suffering with fertility. Yes, of course. I mean, individual it seems family. to happen in, in multiples Clearly, of twos very often. I individual family. <laughs> but I'm saying it feels like there's something a little bit... Yeah. There's both the personal, but there's something uh, global going on there as well. And I wonder... I don't know. What is it? Why does it happen? I mean, you could, uh, of course, always be... Um, be uh, uh, sensitive to to folks um, for whom fertility stuff is a is a is an issue. Um, but but I, I mean I think I, these days I would lean on the fact that this reading begins with when Abram was ninety nine years old, um, which uh, spoilers. Abram, if Abram was a historical human, was definitely did definitely not live. To 99 years old. He might have looked like he was 99 years old, but he was probably like 18 uh, because life was super rough uh, three or 4,000 well, years ago. I feel like, I mean, if you if you read those, uh, these some of these texts and they list the ages of the people and then you see like they gradually get shorter. Like it starts, there's like, you know, you got your Methuselah, you got yes. your several hundred years. Uh, but then they like gradually get shorter and shorter and shorter until they seem like a little more realistic. And it kind of reminds me of when you do your ELCA reports and you're following up on a church and you've got like, it says you've got 300 members. This is the last report that you filed. And you're like, <laughs> what in the world? But you don't want to just cut it all the way down in one year. Mm -hmm. So you just gradually like shave off a little until it starts to feel like it's a little more. Like, I think our reports were pretty accurate this year. But seven years ago, I was like, what? Who are all these people that are listed here? It makes no sense. So, you know, it's just a gradual getting to accuracy. I, I hear you there, Matt. Um, yeah, Abram definitely has a reverse Benjamin Button situation going on. Um, <laughs> I think it's just aging. Um, but 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 just because Abram was very likely not 99 years old ever um, and alive uh, doesn't mean we need to throw out all these crazy like numbers for people get thrown out for people's ages, especially at this part of the Old Testament in the Torah. Um, the point is, he was like. To us, 99 sounds really old, but it's also like a not completely insane number. Imagine the ancient Near East to people where the average like life expectancy was 30. And they were like, so Abram was 99 years old. Um, and then he had a kid, right? Um, that, that it's this piece of good news that no matter what it is, it happens to be here, something a little... Um, most of us are not super concerned about having a male heir, um, but that the promise is fulfilled, even when it seems like there's absolutely no, um, no case, no, no possibility that that might happen. 
um, that the that the covenant will be made whole, which is my other Hebrew note here. Uh, I'm uh, God Almighty. Walk before me. Um, and be blameless. I don't love the blameless translation here. It definitely is a part of what it means, but another definition used just as much, uh, it's tamim, uh, is complete or whole, be complete or be whole. Um, and if anything, the, the good news of the covenant that and, and the journey the covenant makes throughout the Hebrew Bible is that no matter how long it takes, no matter how many times we've got to recut it, God is going to make us whole. Uh, make things blameless. I, mean, I don't love blameless. Doesn't work perfectly here, but God's going to see this covenant to its fulfillment, no matter how long or or how many times we got to reset. Yeah, yeah, and I and I here's the here's the image that I have of this too. That like, so Abraham's going to have Abraham and Sarah are going to have a son. And they're not going to see the multitude of nations. <laughs> they're probably just going to meet Isaac, right? <laughs> like, um, and so for it's like it's almost like for a minute God lifts Abram's gaze to see the bigger picture that he is a part of. And Abram can't live there all the time. Like he can't just walk around like I'm the father of a multitude of nations. Like all the time. Like he's got you. You, you got to keep your your nose to the grindstone. You got to keep. Um, you know, your, your eyes in front of you, but every once in a while to have this moment of recognition that you're a part of something that is much larger than yourself, that God is doing um, throughout time uh, is, a, is a valuable thing to lift your gaze and to see that. And that that might also be a part of the preaching task um, this week and any week is to just, you know, momentarily lift that gaze and remind us of what we're a part of. If you're looking for three lines to tie it all together, uh, we're building an ark here uh, as our attempt we're to building an ark to, to live into the covenant. That would be fun. If you were in person, you could slowly build an ark over the course of Lent. Oh, man. Is that this covenant, this promise um, actually points ahead to another, like this is going to happen, right? Uh, one of the things, I don't think it's in the actual text, it gets cut out. There's so many noises in my house right now. The um, birds are chirping. The birds yeah. are chirping. Uh, is the promise of the land, right? The land gets cut out of here, uh, but the land is in this covenant, and the promise of the land is problematic, right? But it is also pointing to uh, another person who's going to be have to bear the weight of the covenant, uh, Moses, who's not going to be able to, see, to go into the land, who's not going to be able to see its fulfillment, just like Abram's not going to see the multitude of nations. Well, let's see what uh, connections this might have to the gospel text. So this week, the gospel text, Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. Fun fact, this is right before the transfiguration that we just got a couple weeks ago. Uh, and in fact, uh, our friends at a Sanctified Art suggest that you just keep reading and also do the transfiguration to draw that little connection. Uh, interesting option. So the Holy Gospel according. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. 
he called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Matt, I, my angle uh, this year with this would, would be to tie together uh, the naming from both the Genesis and the Mark, because uh, that's really what is going on here. And that's actually gets cut out. I uh, know, uh, oh, no offense is taken by the folks that are sanctified art who clearly listen to the podcast carefully each week. Um, but I'd read back the other way because we just get, we, we cut out, and maybe we do in a couple weeks, we cut out the part where Jesus is interrogating the disciples uh, and he asks them, uh, who do people say that I am and who do you say that I am? Uh, and Peter says, you know, you're the Messiah. And so we get this, like, we get this, like, it's really a cycle and a rhythm more than like a, just a, a back and forth. But Jesus calls, uh, or Peter calls Jesus the Messiah. And then he gets rebuked here. And gets He gets called Satan. But then next episode, we're up on top of a mountain and, and Peter sees the fullness of who Jesus is. Um, one of the things that's important to remember about naming is that naming is... Um, the act of naming some, something, someone especially, is an act of power. Um, it is about power discrepancy. Um, um, and so Jesus and Peter are really having this argument about who, about his name, about what he really is about. Um, and so I'm reminded this week, a thing that's been... Uh, in recent years, we've had a number of trans folks uh, come through our community who have, um, I don't know if it's the right word, who've chosen new names for themselves. Um, and we came close to one time doing like an affirmation of baptism with the new name. And I lament that we haven't been able to do that with more folks. Because um, I think that has the potential to be really powerful. Um, but I like that image as well of of baptism as a particularly passive act of allowing someone else to try to drown you uh, as a way of claiming this new name. Um, so, that's what I'm thinking about this week. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's clearly a part of it. This, who, who do you say that I am? Um, and from from that thread all the way to the transfiguration where God says, hey, do you ever have those moments where you wish God would just uh, tear up in the skies and tell you what's going on? And God actually does for just a moment. Um, but between that and here, um, we've, we've got these these verses here. I'm, I'm always struck by this uh, line with Peter. Um, and of course, like, you know, Peter there before and now here again, Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him. They have this back and forth. Um, and it's almost like, Peter, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> but Peter tries to speak. He tries to like, he's, I don't know if he's, um, I wrote down tone policing, which is not quite right, but there's a similar sense of like, um, no, Peter, this is not like what you need to be 
doing at this particular moment, right? Jesus is saying something quite openly. Um, then Jesus names Peter Satan, which is a little bit, seems a little harsh. Seems a little harsh. But, Peter's, you know. a, uh, Jesus already named him once, right? He named him Peter, right? Gosh. Yeah, right? Rock. Renaming. Yeah. Uh, Peter makes an easy punching bag. Perhaps some of the uh, a sympathetic view of this is that Peter. Uh, there are repercussions for Peter for what Jesus is talking about. Um, I, you have, he has left the boats, right? As we were called from just a few weeks ago, left his family behind, and now he is known by this Jesus character, and that's what he is in about. And all of a sudden, he's saying like, uh, "Yeah, no, our kind of family. What we do is uh, we suffer a lot. We get killed. We're rejected by the chiefs, priests, the elders." And the implication is that, yeah, that's what we're all about here. Uh, and Peter's like, "Whoa, hey." Um, I actually had a very different read on the things you've been saying. <laughs> um, it's not just, you know, that Peter is like power hungry, glory hungry, wants to be an Instagram star, uh, social influencer, but that uh, what Jesus is saying has real implica- replica- rep- replications, repercussions for him, which is kind of true in the Genesis thing, right? Like that's the way the covenant functions too. It's not that Jesus has said, you have to do these things. Uh, but Jesus is laying out what this new covenant looks like. Uh, and again, all the work is really on God, but it has implications, but it has repercussions, a word I cannot say. And again, I'm reminded by like Ralph, of Ralph Klein's God does not love us unconditionally. Um, God's, love, God's love comes to us always freely. Uh, and yet then it calls on us to do things. And that's, that's a condition. A lot of good... Um good lines in here. Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Um, often misused in so many ways. Uh, whatever your cross might be, maybe it's giving up Facebook for Lent. Uh, seems like this is a this is like a real, like this is like a political execution. Take up your uh, political execution and, and follow me. Um, and then this, but also like this, what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? I mean, it's such a a very resonant line and I wonder if you could um, take that apart a little bit to um, one of the things that we talked about on Ash Wednesday or that I, that I preached about a little bit is how you know having this recognition of your mortality um, highlights the importance of uh, you know every moment and every day and as cliched as that is just like this is the this is the life that we have what what are you going to do with it and I think that is part of what Jesus is is lifting up here um, and so what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? I think there's a through line there uh, from Ash Wednesday uh, to today. It's a tough text, though. It's one of those, like, uh, it's, if we always say, what's the good news? I feel like this is one that's, like, it's laying some truth down, but it's, you get to work a little bit to make it feel good. If we were going to do power rankings of lectionary texts, Matt, uh, I feel like this would be pretty high, while while somewhat difficult. It's not super clear and easy. I think it's got to be up there in the in the power rankings of preachers' favorite texts. You think so? I think so. I mean, a Lutheran preacher's favorite text because it gives you so like the theology of the cross is so central, like in your face right here. Yeah, I guess it's not. A, I like. I would prefer a story. I don't like yeah. teaching text, yeah. but it does. But if you're thinking about it in terms of a story, 
and you think about the story of Lent, I mean, here you, you literally have the word cross. Like, here's the, it's not even a subtle foreshadowing. It's like, <laughs> yes. here's what's going. It's like we're on WandaVision, and we're going to tell you what's going to happen. And maybe you won't realize that, no, he, he actually meant that literally. Like, it's, this is not a... Yeah, that's the uh, the biblical fundamentalists, you know. They, uh, you know, it's impossible to read the Bible literally, but it doesn't mean the entire thing is a metaphor. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's the Gospel Second Sunday in Lent. What uh, what are we listening to? Well, Matt, uh, I like uh, I, 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 I shout out one of the sermons that I still remember from seminary in chapel. Uh, there are like a handful of them that I can remember. Uh, one of them is Dr. Satterley. Uh, I can remember two Dr. Sadley sermons, uh, and one of them was about this text where his kind of good news statement was that Jesus rebukes our rebuking, uh, and he did it really well and turned that into good news, um, which is another um, bang, bang, on the door, baby, um, um, which can be incredible good news, right? Because we, I mean, and that's, gosh, I'm going back to the text, uh, our ability to screw up the covenant, our rebuking of the covenant, our rejection of these things, Jesus won't let that stand uh, and rebukes back our rebuking. Um, uh, so that's to say the the journey that Jesus is on, uh, he's now made this turn. He's on a road trip starting for the next three chapters. He's going to end up in Jerusalem. And you know what, man? You can't stop. Uh, and so he's listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers as he can't stop the Wow, yeah. I wanted mm-hmm. to put Don't Stop Me Now on there, but it's I'm having a good time. And maybe that's mm-hmm. what Peter's singing back. Like, we're like, they both think they're singing the same song, you know? Like, <laughs> Peter's like, Don't Stop Me Now, I'm having a good time. <laughs> and Jesus is a little more like, Don't Stop, we gotta get to the execution. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Different kind of thing. Uh, then, you know, I went off on the name thing. Uh, and uh, having a name, not having a name. There's a lot of good, powerful stuff there. Thought about going with name. Uh, you don't know my name by the Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, mm-hmm. But Jim Cro- Croce? Crokey? Have we ever come to a consensus on how to pronounce his last name? Uh, one of his He's hits. Croce. I got a name. I got a name. It's yeah, a good name. that was so good. Yeah. Um, and I'm on my way so to Jerusalem. Uh, but then, you know, it's not like this not this song this song, this episode is not fully about proclaiming a name, but it's about the debate over it. And Jesus is going back to Peter, all Alicia Keys like saying, uh, you don't know my name. Which is a killer song, man. Kill I'd forgotten how good it was. <laughs> well done. Well done. Good playlist uh let's see well uh given that you know this should have been a youth gathering year when we were headed to minneapolis i chose a print song the cross from sign of the times uh which actually is just a super religious song like it's like uh, just a straight up state straight up uh could could come out of nashville and a christian contemporary dc talk album uh the cross by prince uh on sign of the times it's a great album and then uh King, uh, since we've got, I mean, that's another potential name, uh, but also that in Genesis they're talking about kings of people shall come from you. So King by Years and Years. Oh, I love Years and Years. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. And then uh, this adulterous and sinful 
generation. Uh, talking about my generation, the Who. I I loved uh, that song, Matt, because I was really immersed into it because I had the Austin Powers Two soundtrack. Yeah, that was on it. Oh, and REM's on there too. Dragging the line. Mm-hmm. Dragging the line. Yeah. Elvis Costello's on there. Madonna is on there. It's a pretty good yeah. underrated soundtrack. Beautiful Stranger. That's right. That is a good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a good one. I don't know if they have it on vinyl, but <laughs> give me a second. Try a psychedelic. Psychedelic. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, man, we did it. I, uh, speaking of vinyl, before we, before yeah. we I got, I got vinyl for Valentine's Day. Uh, Chris really enjoys, uh, getting me music again. So, uh, she got me another vinyl record. What was it? Folklore. My <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I don't know why I was uh, so dear listener behind the curtain a little bit. One of the ways that we look, I, I think Matt and I both look for songs is by searching keywords through Spotify and going through the results. And I was for some reason considering and getting close to putting uh, oh, what's the new Taylor Swift like Heim song about like it's like the no body no. Uh, Oh I don't my know gosh. this one. With Heim? See, I haven't listened to her new like. It's about Esty Heim. Oh my gosh. Well, no body, no crime. That's what. It's off of Evermore. That's what you oh, got. See, oh, you I got have, I haven't listened to Evermore. Oh. oh, I'm gonna have to check that out now. Well, so much mm-hmm. music, so little time. <laughs> it's been real. Real vinyl.